take a step back frequently and acknowledge the success that you've had because, you know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it or it would have already been done. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about startups who have been there and done it or are right here and doing it in sunny Western Australia. My name is Danelle Cross. And I'm Charlie Gunningham. Hello. Thanks to everyone who's subscribed to this podcast. Our numbers are going up and up, which is fantastic. Don't forget, we've got a new website, startupwest.com.au, where this and all the previous episodes, you can find them and do subscribe. So here we are with yet another new episode, and this time we are delving into the cool world of augmented reality, extended reality, and all of that with Natalie Marinho, who is the founder of Voyant AR, chair of Immerse Australia and the founder of Neon Thursday. Hi, Natalie, and welcome to Startup West. Fantastic to have you here. Hi, it's great to be here. Great to have you here. Now, can you briefly tell us about Voyant AR, what it does, how long it's been going and where you're at with it now? Because I know you've had a bit of a pivot post-COVID. So originally, Mm. tell me what it was and then where you are now with it. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm the founder and creative director of Voyant Augmented Reality. Uh, We're a creative studio based out of Fremantle um, and we specialise in creating bespoke augmented reality experiences and applications. Um, Our team has a background in AR, VR, game development and um, 3D art and animation. But we're currently a full service studio uh, with experience in consulting, research and development, rapid prototyping, conceptual design and fully functional applications. Right. from back-end and um, front-end for Android and Apple devices and headsets like the Microsoft HoloLens too. Wow, a big area. But it didn't yeah. start like that. It started as a platform, is that right? Like a piece of software? Yeah. Uh, that was the idea? Yeah, it did. And um, I guess my interest in augmented reality is basically I'm a massive sci-fi geek, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's books and movies and things like that. So the famous um, hologram that you get in um, Star Wars with Leia, um, you know, that really piqued my interest as a child. And so I've been tracking the industry and that technology for a long time. Um, But it wasn't really until 2016 with the advent of Pokemon Go Mm. that it really became mainstream, if Mm. you remember. And it was such a shift from the way that people were interacting with their phones and um, I do. I actually loved it because my kids actually wanted to go to the park. They did. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it took people out of their phones. And um, and it was amazing to see across the world what a global phenomenon it was in terms of people getting outside, meeting new people. Yeah. Crossing and the road, getting run over because they were looking at all these <laughs> <weird> <laughs> yeah, throwing balls at them or something. Not yeah. too common, fortunately. Oh, yeah, good. But, um, but at the same time, um, you know, Apple released their SDA, SDK, which was called AR Kit, and that really opened it up to developers to be right. able to start playing with, um, with augmented reality on a device that was available to a lot of people at that so time. So we're about five years ago then, are we? 2016? Yeah, yep. And so you were telling us about the the, the genesis of Voyant AR. Yeah. yeah, and so I was really interested in the way that they used um, augmented reality to connect with people, but I thought it would be really interesting to create different kinds of curated content that people could go um, and oh, look at. Right. And so I had this idea of an AR art gallery, if you like, so people could go out and venture cool. and, and see geo-fenced 
artworks. Mm-hmm. So you had to actually go to the place mm-hmm. to, to be able to interact with it. So I didn't know much about the technology. My background's more in digital media and production. Mm-hmm. And so I did a, um, a technical feasibility study. So mm-hmm. I contacted a few people who were experts in um, like spatial design using game engines like Unity, um, 3D artists. And um, out of some early workshops, I understood the technology and how it could be used to create that kind of a platform. And so um, the outcome of that workshop was a scope, a technical scope. And so I put some of my own money into developing the original platform. And from there, it... um, yeah, it pivoted into a few different chapters. Right, so, right, 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 right. Mm. So the idea was to have people subscribe to this platform and then they can use those AR assets, is that right? Develop their yeah, own exactly. experiences or whatever. And we started looking at it from an asset point of view. So yeah. I reached out to a few different kinds of artists, like street artists, um, illustrators and sculptors. But mm. what we found from that um, early experimentation was it took a long time to develop those yeah. assets mm. and those artists didn't necessarily have the technical skills that was required to create something that was ready to import into AR. So then we realised that perhaps we should uh, explore user-generated content, so mm. get the users themselves um, to create messages that they could share. And right. so then we launched the platform um, called Drop It, which was the idea that you could drop messages in real space, oh. in real time. Right. And so that was, uh, how long ago was that? How long ago was that? That was in uh, two thousand, late 2018, I think, that we launched, mm-hmm. yeah, the platform. Oh, maybe early 2019. And how successful was that? How, how did that go? So it was actually quite a challenge to build up the community mm-hmm. and um, and to share and, and market. Mm-hmm. Um, and we realised actually having spent a lot of time and energy into developing the platform, what we'd incidentally created was a white label platform mm-hmm. that we could then um, right. use to approach businesses who had similar ideas, like trying to create that experience for their audience. And so then we shifted to a white label platform. To the business sort of as it is now in in a sense. Yes, until COVID. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then COVID hit then it again COVID hit. and yes. pushed you off in another direction. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the, the great thing about uh, location-based experiences, if you're a tourism operator, is that you can bring traffic towards your location. Mm. But when COVID hit, that fundamental proposition was kind of blown out of the water. And also the, um, the warm leads that we had at that time and businesses that we were talking with were obviously in their own kind of world of pain, mm, trying yeah. to explore what that meant for their audiences and um, how to reach people. And so we ended up, um, yeah, it, it, that was a difficult time for us mm. and everything kind of like stopped, mm. like I think it did for a lot of people yes. when I had to take that as an opportunity to explore other areas or how we could um, pivot again. Because there's a few AR companies around, VR companies around. Then there's XR and there's mixed reality. Could you sort of explain the basic differences or what we need to know, the differences between those Absolutely. four? And there's probably others that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're the main ones. So I guess the best way to describe it is uh, looking at it as a spectrum. So on one hand, you've got um, everyday reality, the real world, objects that you can pick up um, and manipulate in front of you. And if you go to the other end of the spectrum, you've got a completely simulated virtual environment where everything around you that you can hear and see is artificial or virtual. Um, And augmented reality sits somewhere in the middle. So you can see the real world, you can hear and see what's going on around you, but there are virtual or digital assets that are placed um, in that world. And if you dial up 
the um, the spectrum a little bit more, you get mixed reality, which is sort of augmented reality on steroids or it's a bit more clever because it has um, more inputs from the world around you and contextual awareness. So um, the cameras that you might be wearing on your headset knows where the floor is, where the wall is, where the ceiling is. Uh, um, so that's mixed reality. Mm. So I thought what's between mixed reality and AR, they sound similar, but okay, there's a little bit more cleverness with mixed reality. Mm. Yeah, and you can a lot of the movies today that you can see have a really good way of describing the difference between those. So if you think of virtual reality as movies that like Ready Player One or mm. The Matrix or even Inception where people are um, immersed in a in a virtual or simulated environment where augmented reality is stuff like the the hologram in uh, Star Wars right. or Iron Man's awesome workshop studio that I would love to have one day right. where he gets to <laughs> manipulate all those virtual mm-hmm. objects while he works. So, And XR? Uh, XR is extended reality, so that's what we call the whole spectrum. Mm, there you go. Right, I didn't well, know that. Go. I didn't, know, I didn't that. know that. Thank you for explaining it. Yeah. Um, so how have you sort of built and funded the businesses to date? To date we've been uh, mainly bootstrapped mm-hmm. um, from the client projects that we've been approached for, you know, as a regular business model, mm-hmm. I guess. And for the Drop It uh, platform, which was essentially a startup, we were really lucky to um, take advantage of several uh, bodies of funding. So uh, we had a spur on WA grant from the guy, um, the fantastic guys at uh, Landgate. Oh, yeah. We were part of the cons- uh, Curtain Accelerate program. We've also taken advantage of the R&D tax incentive. Mm-hmm. And um, I was lucky to also be the recipient of a Jetsi travel grant, mm-hmm. which ironically was going to be Shenzhen, China. Ah. in uh, March 2020. Oops. So oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, dear. That's a shame. <laughs> one day. One day, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully. We'll all get back one day. Yeah. And AR and all that. Because uh, I, I call it XR? What do, you, what do you call the whole lot of it? Is the whole lot of it XR? XR. Okay, XR. So the XR market, say in Perth, Fremantle, is that growing? Are companies like grabbing onto it? There's more and more opportunities or is it still really hard? to to grow an XR business? The sector is definitely growing and I think um, one of the issues is probably around education of what is available and Mm -hmm. who's working in the space and what the applications um, that are available can do. And that's actually one of the reasons why um, myself and some of the other studios here in, in Perth created a association called Immerse Australia. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's a not-for-profit um, member-based association. And we found that we had very similar issues when it came to sourcing funding, recruiting, mm. right. um, and as I said, the education um, piece. And so what we found was by incorporating as an association here in WA, we were able to come together to address some of those challenges together. Great. So, yeah. Our, yeah, our commitment mm. is to um, represent, promote, and support the industry, whether that's individuals and freelancers or recent graduates from university to establish studios and, and companies and startups and you're that the are chair. working in the space. I am, mm. I am, right. yeah. Founder. And we actually, yeah, mm. nationally incorporated because we reached right. out to our contacts over east and found that they were similarly lacking in that area in terms of um, coming together with the networks. So, so it's an Australian-wide mm. It is now. Oh, right. yeah. It's only going to help us and our ecosystem as well. So Absolutely. Yeah. And you've also set up Neon Thursday. Mm. 
Yeah. What's that? What's Neon so Thursday? So that was one of the Does good it happen on a Thursday? Yeah, it happens every day, 24-7. <laughs> oh, right. okay. um, that was actually one of the silver linings that came out of COVID. So during that um, that period, I really used it to um, to do three things. One was to upskill myself in, in a lot of the technology um, that I had worked with contractors for, um, but wanted to spend, I always wanted to spend my time to get more hands-on because I love that space. So I did that and worked on some um, projects in the social impact area. So using augmented reality for, um, to raise the profile of different issues. So I had my own personal mm. project called um, Isolation, which compared the mandatory COVID quarantine that people faced when they had to come back into WA with what um, refugees um, who were seeking asylum also mm. faced when they came into the country. So mm. I thought that was a really nice um, juxtaposition. Yes, mm. interesting. Yeah, so I am very um, passionate about social impact and unfortunately mm. a lot of people think that augmented reality is just a novelty kind of application like things like Pokemon Go, but mm. there's a real opportunity to do things um, um, really interesting in that space. Mm. And um, learning from what happened with our platform um, and not, having people go out as much as they used to, yeah. we realised that one of the benefits of all um, extended reality was to bring experiences to people while yes. they were at home. And um, one aspect of augmented reality that people don't realise is when you're on things like Instagram and Snapchat, all those cute face filters or the ones that change mm. you into a puppy and things like that, mm. th that's actually an example of augmented reality. Of course. Yeah, and mm. it's a really interesting um, proposition for our clients who aren't necessarily ready to jump into a full-blown mobile mm. application if they just want a taster experience um, that's a lot easier and cheaper to develop. Um, Neon Thursday was born out of that to provide the clients that type of service. Mm. So it's uh, social media uh, AR filters. Mm. All right. Wow. Okay. And your clients, are they mostly West Australian based or are you servicing across Australia? We're servicing, world? yeah, Australia. Yeah. So mm -hmm. our recent uh, project was with um, South Metropolitan TAFE who mm -hmm. were doing an installation with their students at Westfield. Um, so that launched really successfully and ran for three months. And um, another client that we're just starting to work with is out of Brisbane. So mm -hmm. it's two female entrepreneurs out of there. So, yeah, we're working collaboratively on our next project. Terrific. So Great. Neon... Neon Thursday for social impact using AR. Is that right? Is that how I from social impact, but also for general purpose marketing, uh, visual merchandising, beyond. Like okay, that. yeah. Chair of Immerse, which sounds like a group of AR XR developers around the country to give each other emotional support and help and advice. And yes, yes. And then yep. Voyant AR actually creates assets for companies. Like a, it's a B two B. Exactly, it's like B2B. Like dev house in AR, was it? Yeah, it is and and really full service. So a lot of right. companies are still working out what augmented reality is and what place it may have within their company. You know, is it something internally for training or is it something for um, for their audience, you know, mm -hmm. um, as more of a B2C product. And so what we help to do is scope out their business objectives and how augmented reality can fit in that. And mm. it is quite a, a confusing landscape in terms of hardware mm. and software and deployment. Mm. So we help them to navigate that. Mm. So like that's a lot on. It is a lot on. <laughs> it sounds like you're playing a big role from yeah. an education sense as well across across the industry too, So which is terrific. But it is. Mm. When do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> and in five years' time, mm. what are you sort of planning what, if we go forward five years' time, you'll be running these three or would the the, the 
would the landscape have changed, more acceptance of these AR technologies, mm. XR technologies? Yeah, so my eye is definitely on the long-term prize in terms of mm. the way that the XR landscape is mm. proceeding. And uh, the big tech players are all involved in that space. So Facebook bought Oculus, which mm. is a VR um uh, headset and they're really gunning for a billion people in the metaverse, which is you right. know the simulated the VR world. Yep. Oh no, they're going to own the metaverse. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> well, and you've got players like Apple who are doing yep. a lot in this space. So they've continued the development of their SDK um, AR kit, and there's definitely rumours of AR glasses coming on board, right. potentially eyeglasses, who knows what they'll call it. So um, so keeping abreast of the software and hardware development I think mm. will place us well. So basically we would hope in five years' time for everyone out there to be able to see our content on their glasses as you're yes. walking around. Mm. And Microsoft with HoloLens. And Google had a bit of a false start with Google Glass, but they're bringing something out that looks pretty similar. They right? did have a false start with Google Glass, but I felt like they learned a lot yeah. from a user perspective uh, point of view. And, Good not to um, give a product to people that makes them look like an idiot. <laughs> That's right. I mean, really. <laughs> did you see people using the Google Glass? This doesn't translate very well in a podcast, but anyway, go, go YouTube it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, just jumping in here to give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors. Without these, we would not be able to bring you this podcast or do what we do at Startup News either. So we want to thank Startup News, who produced the Startup West podcast. Go there and subscribe, please. Spacecube Coworking Spaces, where we also record this pod down here at Riff in the city. The New Industries Fund, who give funding, advice, and support all year round. Curtin University, who have been a longtime supporter of innovation entrepreneurs in WA. The City of Perth, where we also record this pod, also a great supporter of the tech scene. RSM, who came on board last year, and who helped many startups with R&D tax returns and other advice. Dinner Twist, a WA startup itself, who has actually been on the podcast and just wanted to help out. So please, if you bump into any of these organizations and the people that run them, say thanks and go use their services. That's the best way to say thanks. Okay, now back to the show. So Nat, can we take you back through your career? So to your schooling. So sure. um, where, were you, where did you go to school? Mm-hmm. So uh, I did my um, undergraduate at UW, uh, UWA. Mm-hmm. I did a Bachelor of Science and I majored in psychology and anthropology, which in hindsight was actually a really nice two sides of the coin. So psychology being, you know, understanding people, uh, the way we interact with each other and perceive the world around us and anthropology mm. being more of the cultural understanding of how people interact with the world around us and how different countries work together. Mm. Perth, mm. born and raised? Yes, yes I am. I was born in Perth um, and my parents are immigrants from overseas. So my dad uh, was from Portugal and my mum's from the Philippines. And you were out in the country, I think. Yes, right? yep. Uh, I was born in Perth but when we quickly moved out to Laverton, mm-hmm. which for many people probably don't know, is a small mining town uh, about two or three hours drive inland from Kalgoorlie. All right. What was mum or dad doing there? Mm. Uh, dad was a miner. Aha, uh-huh, there you go. Yeah, so it made sense. Lots of brothers and sisters? One sister. Right. Yeah, mm. and so I lived out there for the first um, eight years of my life before coming back up to Perth. And what were your five subjects at school? Uh, English literature I mm. really loved and physics, but I can't that's tell you why. That's an interesting mix. I think I'm left and right brained. Maybe that's why. That's good. That, <laughs> normally you're dominant on one side, right? That's very interesting that it physics is. and English would think – 
quite diametrically mm. opposed. That probably explains that, was it psychology, what was it, the university? Yeah, psychology and anthropology. anthropology. Yeah. And then into what, what degree, uh, what did that degree lead you to? So I guess with the psychology background, I was a good fit to go into marketing and advertising. Right. So mm -hmm. I was there for three years and, and learned a whole lot, as you do in your first job. Mm. Um, and I got a little bit jaded after a while. It wasn't what I expected it to be. And I felt this, you know, kind of humanitarian guilt. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to study at uh, Curtin and did my Master's of International Relations and not long after that I um, moved to Queensland with my husband who was doing his PhD at the time and I was very fortunate to get some work in the international aid and development uh, area. Uh, so mm. Yeah, and I love travelling so it was um, a really good match for me so I um, helped to uh, coordinate projects in the Asia-Pacific region. So I went to Jakarta. Um, I lived in the Solomon Islands for a little bit wow. and uh, went to Kiribati and I was working on ICT projects at that time. And uh, that was really a good taste of user, user experience and technology yes. coming mm. together. Mm. And I think that's when my, my interest in tech started. To what sort of years are we up to now in the story? Oh, uh, circa 2008. 2008. Okay. Yeah. So you, in Singapore, you said? Yeah, after that we moved to London and then Singapore. London, then mm. Singapore. Mm -hmm. So a husband came with you to all these different places, yep. Solomon Islands, Singapore, London. Oh, not to the Solomon Islands. So he no. was he was in Brisbane but that whole time and I was the one that was travelling. Doing so. ICT projects in, in but in trade and development. Yes, so um, education and, yeah, other sectors, delivering those ICT projects. And what was the most interesting place mm. of all those or project that you did? Oh, everywhere. Everywhere was so interesting. Oh, um, I think Kiribati was really interesting um, when you fly in from the plane, like basically it, it's like an atoll in the middle of the Pacific, so right. it's a tiny like strip of an island. Yes. So. Yeah, wow. Kiribati, is that Solomon Islands? Forgive my ignorance. Yes. Uh, Kiribati is a different country to the oh, Solomon Islands, right. but both in the Pacific. In the Pacific. So, mm. so give us a handle of where that is. So it's a tiny little atoll in the middle of the Pacific. So to get there from Brisbane, you have to go via Fiji. So right. it's a three-hour three flight from Brisbane to Fiji and then I think another – hour or so. And what project it. were you doing there? It was working with the education sector, so um, helping them to uh, implement a new um, database system to keep track of records and, and things yeah, wow. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then back to Perth and a bit of corporate experience, I think. Yeah, so I was uh, working at Ionet and then Bankwest in the digital um, digital and content areas, so at, uh, including things like blog, uh, the right. social media for all of the sub-brands at Ironet. So, good so that time. was out in Hay Street in Subiaco? It was, yeah, out in Subiaco. And it was, yeah, had an amazing time there. Great. And that's when Michael Malone was still CEO? Yeah, I think he was just finishing up when I started. Right, okay. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> and the leap um, mm. from that corporate sort of career, I guess, mm. to the world of startup, you know, how did you make that leap? How did you come to that? Well, that was actually decision. around the timing of um, Pokemon Go coming mm -hmm, out and mm -hmm. the release of the SDK that made it definitely more tech-friendly. Mm. I also um, was on maternity leave, so I had um, some extra time to think, mm -hmm. um, well, in between having a newborn as well. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. But it, um, it made me question um, work-life balance and what I was going to do going back to work and um, how I was going to balance my own interests. Mm, and, right. and, you know, to be honest, when you're in the corporate world, one job never gives you everything that you want in terms of experiences or challenges. Mm. And I just felt ready to, to make that jump into um, the 
the startup, startup scene, world. I guess. Yeah, and coming back to Perth after being um, overseas for nearly ten years, because um, I had been involved in the startup scene over in Singapore, mm. and I was so surprised, pleasantly, about the startup scene here in Perth in mm. terms of the individuals and the festivals and the programs and community, and I think that really helped as well. Mm. I was going to ask, yes, what bits of the startup scene have you interacted with? Um, down in Fremantle or up in the city, up in Perth? Have you Yeah, all of it. You know, you know, from looking up on um, Meet Up What's Going On or the calendars mm. that are available to what's happening in startup news. Um, yeah, startup news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's so much more accessible, I think, than it right. once was to know what's going on. Mm. Um, but but as um, I was saying with Immerse Australia, like it's it's hard when you're a startup or, you know, a, um, a business owner to just keep abreast of everything that's going mm. on. Yeah. So having a group of people who are likewise in the same industry that you can share the latest news or developments or um, access to funding is so important, I think, when you just don't have the time to do all of that on your own. And how would you describe the local startup mm. scene here? Fabulous. Very supportive, you know, mm. and everything from like the co-working spaces who um, have lots of freelancers who aren't even necessarily in the startup scene but yep. are just, you know, um, mm. of, a, of a like-minded um, persuasion. Because you managed to get a spur on WA grant from Landgate, you've managed to get uh, Curtin Accelerate. Mm -hmm. So these are all competitive they programs. Are. Then the ones to China, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's good. That, so hopefully mm. the community has been supportive of you. Mm. you yeah. Like oh, absolutely. And I think um, it's such an affirmation when you do get one of these grants that you're mm. going in the right direction. And, um, you know, to anyone listening who who is thinking about, um, you know, submitting a grant, um, submitting an application for a grant, I thoroughly recommend it. And it's not even just about the the money or the funding that yep. you get. So much of it, I'm sure you guys would agree as well, is about the networks and the mentoring mm. and, and the support that you get, which often extends beyond the life of the actual program that you're involved in. So Definitely. I found that so helpful. Yeah. And so five years sort of in, what advice would you give to others that are perhaps earlier on in, in their startup journey? One thing is, uh, well, a few things, but firstly, I think the uh, to make sure that you place an um, emphasis on looking after your mental health, mm. um, whether that's surrounding yourself with, you know, positive, supportive people, hopefully that's your, fam your family and mm. your friends, um, to also just keeping interests and hobbies outside of your startup life yeah. um, because I think that's just so important. Mm. And um, again, networking and keeping your foot um, in an industry association or whether yep. it's just, you know, going to regular meetups can help a lot to, to support what you through those you difficult times. What keeps you grounded mm. and um, away from your startup? My five-year-old. Your five-year-old. Girl. <laughs> Girl, Girl. Yep. yep. She definitely keeps, uh, she definitely keeps <laughs> me um, grounded. Mm. But I think the other thing and probably parallel to the mental health is to really take a step back frequently and acknowledge the success that you've had because, you know, mm -hmm. if it was easy, everyone mm -hmm. would be doing it or it sure. would have already been done. And I think that especially if you have a team, it's really important to acknowledge that success um, because it's all too easy just to jump straight to the next problem, jump to the next, um, you know, challenge that you've mm -hmm. got to solve. But you should really give yourself a pat on the back, you know, when mm. you've made a milestone or, you Definitely. know, you finally launched or shipped. Even if it wasn't exactly what mm. you planned, it's yeah. still a milestone. Who's helped yeah. you along the way? Who's been a mentor to you or given you good advice you that's, might want to shout out to? Yeah, um, that's a really good um, question because but prior to my experience, I thought a mentor was someone, you know, 
was very official and in a formal mm-hmm. sense, like someone that you'd meet up with regularly and, you know, have um, a, a planned coffee chat with and have questions and answers. But actually a lot of great mentors have been other startups or people right. that I've worked with or reached out to for help. Mm-hmm. And um, that informal side of mentoring I think has been so valuable. You know, everything from when you're starting a business um, and you have no idea what to do. So really a shout out to everybody that, you know, oh, has ever helped me with a question. Nice. Yeah. Mm. That's mm. nice. All right. I think we have to wrap things up. We really are. enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Natalie. We've got these rapid quick fire questions uh, to finish off with, which is our way of sort of tying a bow on the end of it. So whatever gets pops into your head, just shout it out. What is the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? If you know, can you let me know? (laughs) (laughs) That's an original answer. We've never had that before, Charlie. I love it, Nat. I love it. Most people say grit and determination, but I like that. Or team or something. Well done. If you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene, what would you wish into being or perhaps wish away? Oh, I think... I don't know. I don't have an answer for that one. Anything that's missing or lacking or? I would say funding, but, you yeah. know, I think everyone says funding. A lot of people say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Who do you most admire in the st- local startup scene, a company or a person? I respect all companies that are run by females or other minority groups because mm. running a startup is a challenge in itself, but, you know, having that additional challenge is um, really difficult. And I also applaud any startups that are working in, um, like, climate change and um, big social impact kind of issues. Mm-hmm. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. How can anyone listening to this, uh, Natalie, help you? Well, if you're interested in any kind of augmented reality experience, whether it's something um, like Neon Thursday, which can help with social media filters, to something higher end for avoid, um, augmented reality, reach out. And also if you're just interested in, in this um, XR immersive technology space, mm. then definitely head to our website, um, immerseaustralia.org, um, and sign up for our free newsletter. Great. Fab. And you've answered part of this question, but what do you do to get away from it all and relax and refresh apart from your family? Surprisingly enough, I delve straight into science fiction. Mm. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Books, movies? Books, movies, and um, I have a soft spot for zombie movies. I think I see that. Soft spot for zombie movies. (laughs) I can see you making an AR zombie movie. Oh, it's one of the the projects on the back burner. Excellent. <laughs> Love it. I'm looking Love forward it. to seeing it. Well, thanks, Natalie. Uh, I'd like to wish you and all your team all the best for the future. Thanks Thank for you. being on the podcast Thank today. Thank you so much. And thanks to our sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed Coworking Spaces, the New Industries Fund, Curtin University, the City of Perth, RSM and Dinner Twist. Yes, thank you. And we recorded this podcast down at the Riff Podcasting Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, West Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite pod platform or go to startupwest.com.au, the new website. All our latest episodes will be there in your feed. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you. Thanks Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Charlie.